have you ever experienced sleep paralysis or some people might call it the devil riding you at night or when you take a nap or whatever, when you're asleep and you want to get up, you want to scream, you want to plead the blood of Jesus. You, 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 you're, you're talking in your head. You, you are telling your mouth to move, but it's not moving. You're telling your body to wake up, but it's, it's not moving. You're stuck. You feel like you're suffocating. That is what we are experiencing collectively across the nation, across the globe. We're screaming for help. Don't you you see, stop this, and nothing is happening. Welcome to the Crowned Avenue Podcast, a weekly show dedicated entirely to the journey. I am your host, Angela Dulaney. Join me as I share stories, aha moments, and insights about my own journey towards living a crowned life with a mission to encourage you to strive to live a crowned life as well. So, if you're ready for the ride, Let's go. (laughs) Oh, this is kind of difficult to start. Okay. Um, So the past few weeks have been extremely eventful, extremely painful, extremely eye-opening, gut-wrenching, Any adjective that you can think of can probably describe these past few weeks. Since I found out about the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia, 30 minutes up the road from me, I've had a little bit of trouble processing things this time around. Um, This is not the first time that I've heard of things like this happening. This is not the first time that this is not, this is nothing new, I should say, for our community, our world, our nation, unfortunately. Um, But this time around, I really, really struggled with just processing the trauma of it all. Um, Throughout quarantine, I have been really intentional about taking care of myself. And I had created a self-care routine, a very intentional one that involved like slow mornings and um, cooking my breakfast and just taking my time to prepare myself for every day. When everything popped off with Breonna Taylor um, and George Floyd, especially George Floyd, I feel like that was like the straw that broke the camel's back in a sense with everything going on right now. Um, but when everything started happening with the uprisings, I'll say, so when everything started happening with the uprisings, I also was called back into the office at school. So essentially my self-care routine was kind of stripped from me because that is something that I do struggle with taking care of myself while working like I'm good at it on breaks and you know when I don't have to be in the work because I really because it's the slow mornings that I enjoy but I'm not very good at it when I do have to go to work because I have to be there at a certain time I don't really like getting up early blah 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 so Needless to say, um, going to work combined with experiencing these traumatic events combined with 
And I'll say witnessing these traumatic events, witnessing these traumatic events combined with not being able to or not no longer being intentional about my self-care really caused me to just withdraw from everything and disconnect. Um, I didn't know what to do with my emotions. I didn't allow myself to feel. I kind of became numb to things at some points. And I really, really struggled with how like with the idea of what can I say that hasn't already been said? What can I do that hasn't already been done? And just feeling at a crossroads, really, at a crossroads with just struggling to reconcile my feelings with still having hope or wanting to ha- wanting to have hope um, combined with how do we move forward combined with I'm experiencing something really joyful in my life right now. I'm growing a human being inside my body. Um, and I want to feel that joy, uh, but not really knowing the world that she's coming into, especially with everything combined with being in the middle of a pandemic. So here we are. I'm finally at a place where I feel like I can speak on how I feel. Um, through the lens of something very specific. So y'all know me, if you don't, then you gonna know that I try to find the teachable moments for myself and for others in everything, especially in difficult times. And for me now, that has been really understanding trauma. And it really, going back to work really came at an interesting time because we, were asked to attend virtually attend a training on trauma in schools and how to how we can be trauma sensitive educators. I do work in our local school district. So we spent four days on this training and on the first day they defined trauma. So usually we think of trauma like we think of trauma as, you know, the videos that we see of black bodies being slain in the street in broad daylight. That's trauma for us, right? That's traumatic. We think of trauma as something happening, like some event happening, like the actual event is the trauma, right? Like the event that happened is the trauma. So we were abused or we were robbed or we were our parent passed away, you know, something like that. Just events count, you know, that that we attribute as trauma. Um, But while we were on this training, the facilitator defined trauma from the perspective of the DSM-5. And I'm going to pull pull it up on my phone, what the DSM-5 says about what trauma is, because it really opened my eyes to just the nuance of things and why we react the way we react and why we're seeing such a widespread, intense reaction to everything that's going on. So according to the DSM-5, trauma is defined as an emotional response to adverse happenings that are experienced, witnessed, encountered or perceived. It can occur when a real or perceived threat is present. So according to the DSM-5, trauma is not the event, 
but it is the emotional response that we as individuals have to the event. So in the event can be experienced. You can experience it yourself. You can witness it, which we're all witnessing all types of events through social media and the news and whatever else. It can be encountered. So think of the people who might be walking down the road and they or they were walking down the road and they see George Floyd on the ground with someone's knee on his neck. Okay? Or it can be perceived, which is the fear we have when police ride by and I'm looking and I'm in the passenger seat, my husband's driving, the police are we're on a four-lane highway, the police are on the other side, they're riding the other way. I'm looking in the rearview mirror to see are they gonna turn around. That's a, per, a perceived threat based on past experiences and my emotional response to those past experiences. So in understanding that trauma does not have to be an event that happens to you, then I think that that's speaking to the emp- empathetic nature that we all can have if we allow ourselves to. So I don't have to, like Ahmad doesn't have to be my brother or my son for me to feel pain at his death, for me to not wanna see the video of his death or for me to accidentally see the video and cry that he was murdered in that way, right? So it's really, it really kind of took me aback. And even one of my coworkers was like, she saw, whenever we were talking about that definition of trauma, she saw an interview, I guess the day before, of a family, um, a black family, who they did not know Ahmad, um, but they were dealing with the with trauma in their household from this incident um, with their kids. And their kids were experiencing trauma from it, emotional trauma, their emotional response from it, because they felt empathy for Ahmad. Basically, that's 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 my belief. My belief is that to experience trauma from the standpoint that we're experiencing trauma in this in this day and age, you know, it's secondhand. We weren't there. We don't know them, but we're so empathetic that we can place ourselves there in a way. And then in turn, our emotional response is very personal, is very very intense and very real. And for a while, I wasn't really allowing myself to really have, to really experience and lean into those emotions because, you know, I told my friends like that sometimes I find it better to expect the worst and be pleasantly surprised when people show us differently. And that is a protective mechanism that I have developed for myself. And I always say that it's not to say that that's what you should do or that's the right thing to do, but that's how I have internalized my trauma that I've experienced um, in life overall to navigate this world in a way that I feel protected, right? So not allowing myself to feel those things I thought that I was protecting myself from 
more trauma, but I wasn't, I can't, I can't protect myself from more trauma, right? Because these things are happening. They're happening. And I, I, you can't ignore it. And and that's not to say that I was trying to ignore. I wasn't ignoring it, but I wasn't allowing myself to internalize it enough to experience the emotions that it was bringing up in me and to therefore experience the trauma in those emotional responses. So this went on for a while until one night, I literally just broke down in bed with my husband. Like I was just done. I was just done. Like I couldn't do it anymore. I had been at work for a few days. We had, I had a conversation with my coworkers. That was, that went okay. Um, but I just, y'all, like I felt alone. I felt misunderstood. And I told him, and this is overall, I told him that, told my husband that this thing, this, you know, racism, hate, murder, things that are just so to me clearly wrong. And, you know, it's like we're screaming those who understand that it's wrong and take a stand against it vocally, publicly, unapologetically. It's like we're screaming into a void. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis or some people might call it the devil riding you at night? or when you take a nap or whatever, when you're asleep and you wanna get up, you wanna scream, you wanna plead the blood of Jesus, you, 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 you're, you're, you're talking in your head, you, you are telling your mouth to move, but it's not moving. You're telling your body to wake up, but it's, it's not moving, you're stuck. You feel like you're suffocating. That is what we are experiencing collectively across the nation, across the globe. We're screaming for help. Don't you see stop this and nothing is happening nothing is happening and so what we're seeing now is the pot done boiled over again this is not unprecedented history the uprisings are not unprecedented unprecedented history so the pot done boiled over again people are still still saying still saying shut up sit down don't do this this ain't the way whatever whatever well, what is the way? Because otherwise, we're, we're paralyzed, stuck, screaming into a void, into a vacuum, where literally like sound is just sucked out and it's just like, what is going on? Why is this still happening? That's how I described it to my husband. Like that is how I've been feeling. And I really have been able to, I really wasn't up until then able to, to put into words that feeling but that is that's that's what it is to me it's like it's like living in a state of sleep paralysis and i think that that is why people are are uprising that's why we have protests that's why people are starting and signing petitions left and right we got statues coming down we got rules changing and and changes are now being made but it took this it took us getting to this point this is necessary everything that's happening is necessary unfortunately it is clearly because i mean kneeling wasn't working (sighs) kneeling was not working okay it wasn't so we had to get a little loud to be heard
you know, witnessing the deaths of, and I won't say witness, like I didn't watch George Floyd's video, I didn't. I accidentally saw the video of Ahmaud, um, thanks to autoplay on Facebook. Um, I didn't share the videos, um, and I, that's just my choice. I don't, I don't, I choose not to. Um, but witnessing them, witnessing their deaths and the aftermath and the fact that like with Ahmad, no, nothing, nothing would have been done if that video hadn't come out, if people hadn't found out outside of the perimeter of Brunswick, people hadn't found out about what was going on, what, what had occurred. Okay. And we're still, you know, not seeing movement with Brianna Taylor's case. All right. So witnessing all of that and keeping up with everything. And even when I didn't want to be on social media, still logging on and getting updates and stuff, it really triggered a strong emotional response in me. Like I became sluggish, drained, unmotivated. I just, all the energy that I had garnered in myself, I was really in a good place mentally and physically. Um, and it really just shook, just rocked me to my core. So instead of creating content and speaking up, I really didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't think I had anything valuable to add. And I was silenced. I allowed myself to be silenced. So when I learned that trauma can be experienced, encountered, witnessed, or perceived, and that it is the actual emotional response we have to events rather than the actual events themselves, I was able to use that information to validate my feelings, allow myself to cry a lot. Finally, I reconnected with my self-care routine because that is very important. It is so important to take care of yourself at all times, not just when you're feeling energetic and you, you feel like you have the time, but even when you feel like you don't have the time, fight for your self-care routine. Fight for those little things in the day or in the evening or in the morning when you are literally focused on you and pouring into yourself. Because if you don't pour into yourself, you will have nothing to give. You will be an empty bucket. You have nothing to give. And that is how I felt for those few weeks, the past few weeks. Um, just empty, just nothing to give. Like I really had to start pouring into myself in, in, in ways that didn't seem productive, okay? I'm talking about watching lighthearted movies, taking showers by candlelight. I mean, really just loving on myself and regrounding myself so that I can operate from an empowered place and not from a helpless place because it's not fun and it's not healthy. So I prioritize my own mental health and I decided that I didn't have to be anybody's hero. Allow yourself to feel all the feelings you need to feel. Allow yourself, validate that, you know, however your response is, you cannot help the response that you might have to something. Um, and I know that in a lot of ways, in a lot of situations, we can control how we respond. Like if somebody get fly to live with us, we can control whether we gonna get back with them or just turn the other cheek. Uh, but in times like this, it's really, I, I couldn't control how sad these events were going to make me. I didn't decide to be sad about it. I didn't, but I can't not be sad about it. I can't not be triggered by it. I can't not be hurt by it. It's not in me to not care. 
It's in me to care and to empathize and to want change and to fight for change. So, <laughs> I said a mouthful. Hopefully, some of the things that I said, maybe, maybe they resonate with you, maybe they don't. But this is just my way of getting my thoughts out. And understanding, helping myself to understand why it may have taken me, quote unquote, this long to speak on something. Because I had to take my time. And I, I can do that. And you can do that too. I was, you know, one thing I told people was, I posted online, I said, black people, don't let folks rush you into making a statement for the sake of making a statement. This stuff, racism, systemic racism, microaggressions, these things have been killing us from the inside and out longer than most of us have been alive. So we have to take care of ourselves first and foremost. Your ministry, your activism starts in your house and that's for everybody. What are we doing at home to cultivate a more loving, a more radical, a more accepting world and community? What are we doing? Support causes that mean something, that stand on something, and that don't represent hate and division. It's okay to say that black lives matter because they do today, tomorrow, and every day. And like my friend Talia says, I'm black in every room I, I step into. And I might add myself, I'm black every day of the week. I can't take this skin off. This ain't the life I chose. I was born into it. And I'm grateful. I love being black. I love it. But I also know that there are plenty of people in this world who would not choose it if they could. We're just gonna let that ride. So I'm about to edit this and see what we got. I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, hopefully something I said resonated with you and I wasn't just sitting here rambling, but if nothing else, I got some things off my chest that I wanted to say. As always, thank you so much for listening. If something that I said resonated with you, please feel free to comment, like, leave us a review, and definitely share it with a friend.